There's no guarantee. So he's saying make every action count. Live each day as if it be your last. Understand the fragility and how precious life is. Evolve spiritually and reach the ultimate goal. I'm happy today, but anything can happen tomorrow. So don't waste time. Keep moving towards the higher. Then verse 5 talked about wealth. How to treat wealth. Remember, wealth means power, name, fame, everything else. So understand I have the following respect for value today because I'm earning money. When I'm older, I don't have the capacity to earn, this following will be gone, the retinue. People respect you when you're earning money. When you're not, people don't want to know you. That was verse 5. So, now we're going to do verse 6 and 12. So, in saying any material wealth cannot bring you happiness. Now he's going to talk about limitations and our attachments to the body, mind and intellect. Verse 6, 7, 8. He's saying you can't get fulfillment from these three components. When the body, mind and intellect contacts the world, there is an experience. Yeah? The experience can be positive or negative, good or bad, when you contact the world. So in the past, the sages knew that it is difficult for a human to think of the higher due to the attachment to the body, mind and intellect. No one has the capacity to think of the higher. They knew because the world is so attractive. The world is so powerful, it attracts like a magnet. So that's why they planted gods wherever the desires of the human beings went, the body, mind and intellect. Lakshmi, goddess for those that seek wealth. You have a desire for wealth, they put a goddess there, Lakshmi. Saraswati for knowledge. So while you're fulfilling your desires, you think of the higher God. At least you pray, I want some money, let me pray to Lakshmi. So you're still thinking of God, indirectly. So there's, there's even Mataji for like diseases, chicken pox. So that's what they did. The sages put gods everywhere. So at least while you're fulfilling your desires, you're thinking of the higher. In India, wherever you go, every corner there's a temple, there's a murti of God, because they want people to remember. While you work, while you're acting in the world, don't forget the higher. That's why India is considered a spiritual country. So, we're going to do verse 6. Any questions? I just covered it very quickly because um, I want everyone to not be fatigued by the time I get into the verses. So we'll chant uh, verse 6 first. I'll chant first time and then I'll chant a second time and whoever wants to join can join Yavad Pavano Nivasati Dehe Tavad Pritchati Kushalam Gehe Gattavati Vayo Deha Paye Parya Bibyati Tasmin Kaye Yavad Pavano Nivasati Dehe Tavad Pritchati Kushalam Gehe Gatavati vayo deha paye 
Parya Vidya Tasmin Kaye. So, what does that translate to? As long as breath lasts in the body, so long would there be inquiry of welfare at home. Once breath leaves and body decays, even the wife fears the same body. So, these are all practical uh, aspects of life they're talking about, yeah? So he tells you about, we're talking about the body. Verse 6 talks about the body, verse 7 mind, verse 8 intellect. So this we're talking about body. So what's he saying? People are body conscience, attached to the body, pampering the body. I must lose weight, I must gain weight, build muscle, six pack, eight pack, not happy with one pack, facelift, nose job, nip and tuck, whatever you want to call it. So your body is one of the matter layers that attach you to the world. We contact our we contact the world with our body. But we give an exaggerated value to our body. This is what they're saying. We give an exaggerated value. We consider it so important. So he's saying, when the body is dead, it is worthless. Think about it. There's no value. He's saying, even your wife will be scared of you when the body is dead. In fact, even an animal's body is worth more than a human's body. Last week, research they did in America, they said a human body was worth 98 cents. So he's saying, use the body to get out of this world and seek the higher. So, don't misunderstand, they're not saying ignore your body. Because you need a fit, healthy body to go on the spiritual path. You can't sit down on the floor, you can't function, then how are you going to spiritually develop? See, body is very important. But don't give it, don't neglect it, but don't give it an exaggerated value. Only my body. You know, you look at only the body. Which is what a lot of people are doing. This is what the world sees. It doesn't see the emotions of our mind, the thinking capacity of the intellect. It just sees the body and judges the person. See all the pictures, people on Facebook, Instagram. You think, what a beautiful body, fit body. But you don't know how they are emotionally, intellectually. You don't know if they're happy. You know, models that in the old days, I don't know now, but they used to eat and then vomit back out so they don't put on weight. Just because of that attachment to the body. So, he says, look at the body as a vehicle to take you from one experience to another. You need your a fit body. Ultimately, to the final experience of self-realization. So, use your body as a vehicle. Don't be attached to it. Don't give it an exaggerated value. This is what they're saying. Any questions there? Verse 7. Palastava krida sakta tarunas tarunatava Taruni Saktaha Pritastava Chinta Saktaha Parame Brahmani Gopina Saktaha Palastava Krita Saktaha Taruna Sava Parame Saktaha Pritastava 
So long as childhood lasts, one is attached to clay. So long youth lasts, one is attached to damsel. So long old age lasts, one is attached to worry. Who is ever attached to the supreme reality? That's what he's saying. So now we're talking about the mind's attachment to the world. What's he saying? Who can explain that? Mind's attachment to the world. Any ideas? So when we were a child, we only liked to play and things. When we were in our youth, so we liked to be earn money, everything. Yeah. And then uh, old age come up, then we all worry what happened. Perfect, perfect. That's exactly right. He talks about our attachment to the world at different times in our lives, our life's journey. It splits your life into three stages, as Bella rightly said. As a child, you're engaged in playthings, toys. You can't pull a child out of his toys. For the child, that is his world. You offer a child 100 pounds or a five pound toy. Which one is he going to take? Toy. Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a piece of paper. <laughs> exactly. Now you know, yeah? Take the water. <laughs> he has no concept of anything else. Then as you grow older, the toys are replaced with adult toys, which are name, fame, power, money, passion, man, woman. Those are adult toys. So that's where all of us are. Just like you can't pull the child out of toys, no one can pull you out of these toys right now. This is what he's saying. You've just replaced your childish toys with these toys. This is what he's saying. This is the world. Yeah? This is what everyone is attached to. Then you get older. Then it's worries, anxieties. What's going to happen to me? Who's going to look after me when I'm old? What if I'm ill? My friend has got dementia. What if it happens to me? Worry, worry, worry. So Sankara is saying, when are you going to think of God? When are you going to think of Brahman? You will never get time. Something always comes up. So with, with this understanding, try and think of the higher in all your activities. This is what he's saying. Don't wait till when I'm 60, then I'll think of God. That's what most people do. Right now, let me earn my money. When I'm old, then I'll go to satsang, I'll do this, I'll do that. This is what... Because they have nothing else to do. But that's more social gathering than learning about God. If we analyze, that's what's happening, isn't it? So... He's giving some idea of how to think of God in all activities of your life. Otherwise, you'll never get time. This is what he's saying. You'll never get time. So he's saying, practically, think of the higher in all your activities. You see a sunset. What a beautiful view. 
Who made that? God is amazing. What makes me see this beautiful sunset? It's the self, the Atman within, that's able and living my eyes to see this fruit I'm eating, mango. It's so nice. Who made such a fruit? So, whatever your experience, whatever your action, think. What is this experience? How did it come about? Who made this experience? What makes me taste this food? Then, what's happening is that you're shifting your focus on the higher, on God, on the Spirit, whilst acting in the world. So, what are you doing? What are you doing then? In every action you're performing, what are you doing? You're, you're attaining for the higher fulfillment. You're attaining for a higher fulfillment. You're remembering, I am the body, mind, intellect, I'm tasting this. But there is something higher than me. You're thinking of the self within you. That's enlivening you. That is making you act, making you taste, making you see. You're remembering. This is what God, that is what it, being spiritual is. Remembering God. So whatever you do, div, divinize it. So what happens is, when you're thinking of the higher, you're thinking of the higher all the time. Otherwise, your whole life will pass you by and you will never have time. So it's an attitude that you adopt while living your life in the world. So this is a practical way he's saying, okay, you're not, you, you're not going to have time when you're a child, you're playing with toys, your name and fame and power when you're uh, an adult and you've got worries and anxiety. So you have no time for God. So why don't you do it this way? Then you will be thinking of God all the time. So he's giving a practical way. Because he knows your desires are too much. So just try and incorporate it in this way. Just a quick question, sorry. Just let me finish. Oh, sorry. Then you don't have to go to any temple to think of God. You're thinking of Him all the time. This is being spiritual. So you can go to temple and not think of God. <laughs> yeah, you can sit there, look at everybody and go back out to the same door. You can go to a temple and not think of God. This way you're adopting a way of thinking of God all the time. So He's giving you practical tips. Just, sorry, just to... When you're saying God is reaffirming the higher being, not necessarily gods as we see them nowadays. No, we're talking about the spirit within you, the living factor. You can call it whatever you want. Yeah. Even someone said, what shall we call this? Someone said, what about G-O-D? <laughs> yeah? So even that name is a name for something we don't understand. Brahman, Atman, God, these are all synonyms. They mean the same thing. Yeah. But we're not talking about the statue of gods. We're talking about the unknown, the reality, the spiritual reality. Yeah. But when you're saying, like, think about it on, on a day-to-day -day basis and everything you do, is it that simple understanding that there's something beyond yourself? As in, like, when, like when you said, look at the sunset and you're seeing how beautiful it is, it's almost understanding that there's... It's, it's you're, you're thinking about something that you can't almost fathom. You can't. Because if you, if you weren't thinking about it, you, you, it's, you're almost thinking with ego, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're saying on a daily basis, is it just that understanding that there's things out of my control and I don't know what it is? There's something higher which I don't understand that has created this world, that's created me. 
the meter function. I don't understand what that is. But whatever that is, I bow down to it. I surrender. I acknowledge it. This is being spiritual. But you seek it at the same time. Yeah. Because your goal in life is to become one. So the way to start is to at least acknowledge it. You know, we can't start meditating and become self-realized. So we have to start somewhere. So at least start by acknowledging that I am the body, mind and intellect and I am the spirit, which I don't understand. <coughs> and try and remember that. Right now we're only remembering the body when you look in the mirror, and this is what verse 6 was said. Verse 7 was saying, talking that we only know the mind and our attachments. So at the intellectual level you can understand that there is something higher. This is what he's saying. And this is a practical way of bringing that into your life in all your actions. See, because it's pointless saying, seek the self. How do you do that? That doesn't mean anything. You know, you have to start somewhere. We all have to start somewhere. So these are just giving you practical tips. So have this attitude while living in the in the world that there is something beyond the body, mind, and intellect that's created this universe. I don't understand it, but I know my role. And then you'll slowly make effort to go towards it. Is that, is that sound reasonable, sound clear? This has been spiritual, yeah. Could, where Shankara is talking about the body, mind and intellect in these verses, could it also be that for verse 6 he's saying use the body for more selfless service or is it that whilst we're trying to take away the focus of our physical body and think of a higher could it also be that put it to use for better or no? It's talking about the attachment to the body in that particular verse. Um, what you're talking about, selfless service, if you are on the spiritual path, then the mind and intellect will tell the body that, okay, we want to reach this goal. How do we do that? Okay, selfless service. The body acts, but it has to be instructed by the mind and intellect. But we're here, we're talking about how, as a human being, we're attached to the body in this particular way. And this is what the value of the body is. Use it to get to the higher. And that's all he's saying. He's not going into detail of how to use the body. Because first you have to get over the attachment before you can even act in the right direction. Did everyone understand that? Well, you're absolutely right, but it's at another level. Deepa? Question? Thursday. Kati kanta kaste putraha samsaro yamadiva vichitraha kasyatvam kahat kuta ayatas tatvam chintayat diha brataha 
This is an interesting one. <coughs> Who is your wife? Who is your son? Extremely wondrous is this terrestrial attachment. Whose are you? Who are you? From where have you come? O oh, brother, or oh, sister, reflect on that truth here. I believe in equal, equality. <laughs> this is an interesting verse. What's it saying here? This Sankara is asking you to examine your relationships with the world and your attachments. First of all, the, what it means is, we say my wife, my husband, my son, my daughter, my house, my business. That minus, that possessive attitude is a problem. This is what he's saying. Nothing is yours. Nothing is yours. <clears throat> you came alone. Okay, he talks about the wife. You came alone, she came alone. In between you meet for a short period. And then we go our own way. And we make a big deal with these relationships. Ask your partner, your children, your best friend. My life is ending, will you come with me? So he's talking about our relationship. We give it so much importance. He's breaking it down. Look at, think of it this way. It's a short journey. He's breaking it down. So wife in this verse, or husband, represents all your attachments in the world, not specifically your partner. All your attachments, all your relationships. All the relationships that you look for, for your comforts. Relationship with name, <coughs> relationship with fame, power. He's saying, give up your possessive attitude to these things. But not give up your possessions. Don't misunderstand. Yeah, don't, you don't have to get rid of everything and become a saint. Give up the possessive attitude. My, this is mine. This is the bad, that's the negative part, minus. See, attachment, every, as we said in the past classes, is a negative quality. Any attachments results in stress and sorrow. And we get attached to everything. Samsara, worldly attachments. We are all caught up in it. Remember, nothing will go with you. Nothing will go with you. If you have this attitude of non-possessiveness, you have a better relationships with your family. Better relationships with your friends. Better relationships with everything that you own. You have a better relationship. So it's that possessive attitude he's talking about. In the, that is the first bit, by the way. Yeah? This, this particular verse is quite deep. So what is possessive attitude? And why does it cause you a problem? Why does possess, possessive attitude cause you a problem? 
You rely on it. Why does why do you say don't be possessive? Sad when you lose it. Sad when you lose it. Agitations. Actually, what what he's trying to say, you're right. When you're possessive, you're actually bound. You're bound to that object that you're possessed to. He gives there's a, in the scriptures. I give you a, a small example. You have a horse. You tie a rope around the horse's head and hold the rope. And you say, "This is my horse." But think about it. Are you possessing the horse, or is the horse possessing you? If you say my horse. Then the horse is possessing you too. The horse can only be free if you let it go. And similarly, you can only be free if you let the horse go. So who is possessing who? So this is the world. Whatever you possess, you can say that possession possesses you too. You're not free. So he's saying, think a little. Examine all your worldly attachments and be mentally free of them. So if you're if you if you're not if you don't have the attitude of possessiveness, you're free of that. It's still yours. You still own it, but you don't have that attitude of possessiveness. That's what is the negativity, it causes you agitations. This is what he's saying. Does, does that does that make sense? You have to think about it a little, because we look, we use the word possessive possessive as something that belongs to me. But we're talking about possessiveness, that feeling and attitude of ownership. You still own the object. Next one says, Who are you? Who are you? Deepa, who are you? I'm <laughs> If someone says, who are you? From what I know. <laughs> okay, you might respond as, I'm so-and-so's daughter, or so-and-so's... I'm a man, I'm a woman, that's your gender. My name is so-and-so, that's what label your parents gave you. That's not really who you are. You only see what's in the mirror. We know we're not this body, we're not this mind, we're not this intellect, we're the self. So who are we? We're the self, we're the God principle. This is what all the scriptures are saying. So we don't know who we are. Correct? Yeah, this is how we are known in this world. So we don't know who we are. Most, I mean, here in this class, you have some idea. But majority of people, they don't know who they are. Whose are you? Whose are you? <coughs> Whose are you? You can say, I'm my parents. Where have you come from? Where have you come from? Just not where have you come from? I don't mean Kenton. <laughs> you can say I'm from India, from Africa. I was born here. Look, there's my mother and father. Magna, you can say, look, there's my mother and father. That's why I am. Okay, where does your father come from? 
Where does the father come from? Born here. Here's my father. His name is so and so. He came from his father, my grandfather. Okay. We're examining life. Yeah, we're exa he's saying, examine who you are. Okay, where did your grandfather come from? Where did your grandfather come from? India. <laughs> from his father. So we all come from the father of the God, like. We're coming to that. Like. <laughs> coming to that. You're, That's you're, you, want to, you don't want me to go through my. <laughs> my oh, you want to go to go to the end. <laughs> you have to listen <laughs> to the whole. Uh, whole story you have to listen to. Where did your grandfather come from? From his father. Correct? Is, is everyone with me? You say, here's our family tree. Who was your first father? Who was your first father? Just that woman as well. <laughs> Who was our first father? You don't really know because you're only, we only see uh, us, the next generation, and probably two generations above. We don't know our grandfather's great-great-grandfather. It's just like, it's just a name, it's a misnomer, isn't it? That's right. So who's the first father? Hmm? It, has be, it has to be the Supreme God. But we don't know. Who's our first father? Do we know who our first father is? Does anyone here know who our first father is? But think about it. If there was a first father, how did he come about? <coughs> how did he come about? The first father. First mother. First mother. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Where did the first mother come from? <laughs> we don't know, do we? See, if you think about it, First father means he did not have a father or mother. If he did not have a father or mother, how could he have come about? He couldn't have had a son or a daughter. Neither could you have come about now. Because your father wouldn't have been born, your mother wouldn't have been born. Think about it. Is everyone with me? Everyone with me? It's quite deep. I know, that's why I went straight into it. I didn't go into recap. Don't worry if you don't understand it. So, imagine you're in, you're in the dream, you're dreaming, okay? This is a, I'm going to give you another scenario. This is quite deep, just stay with me. Imagine you're in a dream, and you're in, in the dream someone asks the same question to you. In the dream you show your album. There's my parents, look, Soto. There's our album. Here's our ancestors. In the dream, it's real. To the dreamer, in the dream, it's real. Look, this is who I am. This is where I come from. Where did the first father come from in the dream? In the dream, where did the first father come from? Waker's mind. Waker's mind. Everything's Waker's mind. But there is no father there in the dream, is there? First father there. It's just you. It's just the dream. We know it's just a dream, yeah? 
He's saying, Sankara is saying, same thing is going on here in the waking world, right now. But because you are caught up in it, in the waking state, you don't realize it. You don't know who your first father is here. You don't know who your first father was in the dream. But because you're in it here, in the waking world, you're not aware of it. Where are you going after this? I don't mean after the class. <laughs> I'm going to heaven. Okay. When do you go? When I'm about 85, 90, I'll, I'll go. See, what he's saying, by thinking of these questions, you understand your ignorance. They actually don't know anything. This is what he's trying to point out. Reflect on this, O brother, he's saying, O sister. This samsara attachment to the world is so marvelous. Reflect on these questions. See, when you start actually thinking about it, and I mean really thinking about it, you, st you start to understand that something is not right. Something isn't right. Something pops up in your head, there's something not right. There's so many holes in this life. Maybe, maybe just these great sages are onto something. Therefore he's saying, could the world be an illusion? This is what he's saying. That possibility is there. That question is there. If you can understand this, Dipa, it is some of the highest thoughts you can have. So don't worry if you don't understand it. Because if you understand this, you need to go to an, you need to teach this class. <laughs> no, seriously. That verse is very deep. But I wanted to explain it just so you have some idea of, you know, we can spend one whole class on one verse if we wanted to. Yeah, and I wanted to highlight that. But we're just doing it at the surface level. But this is how deep these verses can go. Yeah. So just to clarify that point, you're saying in the dream we, we don't know who our fathers are. Yeah. And in the real world, we don't know who our fathers are, but we know that the dream was a dream. Yeah. But we're not actually aware that this could be a dream. Exactly, because you're in it. The dreamer in the dream doesn't know it's a dream. It's only when you wake up, you realize it was a dream. You wake up hot and sweaty because someone's been chasing you. In a dream, you don't know, you know, it's real for you. Only when you wake up thinking, why was, what was going on? I had a nightmare. Yeah. In a dream, you don't realize this. It's real for you in a dream. Say so similarly, he's saying this can also be the same, same like a dream. But because you're caught up in it, you don't understand, you don't realize. This is why the fourth state is when you really understand everything. That's when you reach that goal of seek the self. When you become the self, then you understand what the state is. See, we go through three states of consciousness that we are aware of. The dreams, the deep sleep state, when you're in deep sleep, you don't, you wake up in the morning and say, oh, I had a really good sleep, no dream. Dream state, when you're dreaming, waking state, which is now. We, are, we all our lives go through those three states of consciousness. So the fourth state we don't understand, which is what our goal in life is, to reach that state. This is what we're talking about in all these classes, the fourth state. So don't, don't um, you know, 
think I didn't understand the word that much, but it's fine. Yeah, like I said, it's it's very deep, but it's just to give an idea that. Hang on, what am I doing? What is this world? Who am I? Actually, I don't know anything. It's true, isn't it? But then, why do we? Why do so many people glaze over those questions in ten, in the sense no in your day to day life? There's no answer. First of all, who has the capacity to think in that way? You're so involved with your body, mind and intellect and hatch the world, when do you ever even have time to think of that? And contemplate on that? How many times do we look at our phone, touch our phone, was it last 2,500 and something? I saw it on, you know, catchphrase or something, I don't know what it was, but 2,500 and something times we touch our phone, when do we have time to think of who we are? <laughs> I think we like you might, but because it's so complex and we don't understand it, and because being in the waking state, we can't contemplate exactly. something that we don't understand. We live in an era where we want to kind of have things at our fingertips, knowledge, press a button and it's there. Google can't answer this question for us. So if we can't understand it, what it's beyond the capacity for us to think. Absolutely. And probably why. See, first of all, you have to have a desire to think of that. Our, our desires are all channeled towards the world. Name, fame, power. So we don't actually have the time. The world is such a, so attractive. Like I said, it's not like a magnet. You know, we're involved throughout our whole life, saying when we get a chance to think of God, when we got a chance to think of the higher. When are we going to have a chance to think about that? Okay, we might say, oh, you may, the thought may come across okay, let's say. But as Sittle said, you don't know the answers, so it dissipates. But also it's that whole ignorance is bliss, ignorance. isn't it? Because we're so caught up and we're so attractive that actually any thought of anything beyond that or that contradicts that could be quite Scary. detrimental to our existence, really. Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, even uh, this subject here, once you embark on this subject, you realize how empty your life is, and it actually causes agitations. <laughs> so they say ignorance is bliss, meaning if I don't know, I'm happy. It's better I don't know. <laughs> you know, in the ashram, rich people come there, and they're all happy, content. They have the, you know, everything in life. They live in the states. They have you know, everything they ever need and they think they're happy and content and then they come across this subject and they, they, they realise how miserable they actually are. You know, but we don't think of these things, that's why. Okay. Um, we were talking about earlier when Rishi had a question about your ignorance. The first start to your spiritual path is your awareness of your ignorance. Um, what is the trigger for you, myself, Rav, Rishi, what is the trigger that brings us to that level that, yes, okay, what's within us, that trigger, in our lifetime? Because we've all been, you know, blissful in our ignorance in the past. So what is that actual trigger that surfaces at different people's lifetime to bring about this awareness? Good question. What, what open up to the class, what, what do you think it is? Why are you all here? That's what he's saying. What triggers someone to learn this? 
I went from Vegas to Vedanta, so it's <laughs> <laughs> yes. a fact. <laughs> In the layman's term. It's a fact. Well put, yeah. So you're saying, what made me do that? Yeah. <laughs> that shift. What, what there must be something in you which pushes you that. I mean, you know, the world is full of suddenly brilliant people. But what's that trigger which, you know, makes you go towards it? I mean, it could be certain... Andy's told me his story, that it's a, just circumstance. You happen to be at a certain place and it was just like basically not thrust in your face, but you just came across it. There's a, there's a few answers to that question, but I want to open it up to the class, what they think. But also because when you're saying that rich people come to the academy and they're, they're, they're fulfilled with everything, the material side of things, but not everyone, and then they open up to... The spiritual path, but actually, you're not. Everyone is always fulfilled before they're opened up to the spiritual path. So why is there such a mm. difference? So they're seeking answers. What the world can't provide. And there's also experiences. You experience certain things in the question. How did that happen? And then gradually you go towards knowing must be something else that makes you want to figure out what that is. So mm. then you start looking at those things as well. Hungry and like you say, it's different paths. Of your life at certain levels, when you start doing it. Magna, you had some input. Yeah, I was going to say, um, everyone at obviously every different stage in their life has that maybe that pivotal moment where up until that point you always had the answers to something, and something could be explained. So it could be, I don't know, like a you know a loss or a, a some, just an event in your time or in your life that you can't actually give an answer to why that happened or what you learned from that, or what you got from that. So it might just be at that point, which is what the verse is saying as well, there's these questions that we don't have answers to. Maybe something happened in yeah. life that you don't have an answer, and now that's what you want, at some mm-hmm. point, whatever it is relative to what you experience. Yeah. But I feel like, is it not linked to desires? Yeah. Okay, you'll keep that question open. Anybody else? Or maybe we contains like, you know, um, the welfare, oh, it's nothing like um, like money is nothing like like death. Then we can go move on to the next stage. There's value in material yeah, positions. Yeah, okay. those materialized thing. Seeking knowledge, how then to seek knowledge? Seeking knowledge. I think it's also. But why this particular knowledge? This is the question. You can be seeking any knowledge. Sorry. I think it's also like um, what people tell you in terms of like from a young age, how you've grown up and what, like your example, your parents have given you in terms of knowledge and then what, what you do from that point with that knowledge. Okay, first of all, you're all right in the sense, it's different for different people, but there's one key factor here, yeah? As you said, desire. Mumukshatwa, it's called in Sanskrit. A desire for liberation. It's within all of us. A desire for liberation. To be liberated from this world and to become one with who you really are, which is the self. That's your true personality, we said. Yeah, You're not this body, mind, intellect. You're the self. So there is a desire within you, which you're not aware of, called Mumakshatva. That desire for liberation from this world and to become one with your true personality. So we're saying you're not this person, you're the God. You're God. So that there's a strong desire to become one with that. 
When that is triggered, nobody knows. It could be in any lifetime. You are here now, you're learning this. In a past lifetime, if this knowledge came to you, you would not be interested because that desire was not within you. Now, when that surfaces, it's different for different people. It's in everyone. Because everybody, why is everyone unhappy in the world? And I mean real, no one has real happiness. We said true happiness is being content 100%. Okay? And nothing in the world, as Sankara said, wealth, name, fame, can bring you that true happiness. So therefore, only way you can be happy, truly happy is when you become one with the self. You may have heard of that uh, spring example, okay, a coil spring. You press it this much down, you press it this much down, what, what happens? Pressure. This much, less pressure, this much, less pressure. So right now, all of us are here, and there's a pressure to become one, which is our real personality, which is here. Yeah? That pressure is within all of us, and we are going to the world to relieve that pressure by fulfilling desires in name, fame, material, wealth, etc. But we find that the pressure is not going. What, why is the pressure not going? Now I have a million in my bank. Okay? I have a big mansion, but still that pressure is not going. Why not? Because you're not, who, you're not who you really are supposed to be. You're just trying to compensate. And that's not going away. Only when you become your true personality, which is that God principle, that the pressure goes. That's why they're saying you'll never find happiness in the world until you become your true personality. So that mumukshatwa, when it manifests, then you start seeking. Then nothing in the world satisfies you. So that mumukshatwa can be 1%, 5, 10%, 50%, 100%. The guy sells everything, gives up, rents a cave in the Himalayas and goes there. That's, that's it, he's finished. He doesn't want to know anything. Yeah. But you can gain that here as well. You don't have to do that. So that's basically highlighting the fact that everything that you're seeking here in the mundane world is all temporary. It's so all you temporary. get neutralized, you get used to it, you get bored with it, but you're seeking a permanent solution. You want to become normal state. Normal state. <clears throat> no pressure. This is the state we want to reach to. So that mumakshatwa is in everybody. But when it surfaces, we don't know. So you could go your whole life without knowing oh, that yeah. there's a natural state? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it may take a few... That's why they say there's nothing you can take with you. Only this knowledge. So next lifetime, at least if you have this knowledge, it goes with you to the next life, and you'll be at a higher level. That mumukshatwa could be stronger. You could put more effort into it. Where does... Um devotion and understanding or feeling the grace of God or blessings that we talk about in devotional aspect of spirituality because to me it's almost like you might strive for something so for example you go through your life where you're striving to I don't your, devotion, you're devoted all your life, right? So you do your prayers in the morning, you do your mala, and actually you're doing it um, routinely because that's what you've grown up with. 
but actually, are you learning any knowledge? No, you're not. But however, you have this faith that, you know, you're bowing down to something that you don't understand. Right. But routinely, you've grown up with it, so you do it. Then all of a sudden, it changes, doesn't it, where um, you come across knowledge and you're thinking, ah, now I understand why I was doing what I was doing and it made me the human being that I am. And actually, you can develop this thing of thinking it's only through God's grace that you've actually come across this knowledge. Where does that come into this contents? Because I would say it's God's grace. You can call it whatever you want, God's grace. You are God at the end of the day. So, see. So it's your own grace. It's your own grace. God's got nothing to do with it. But what you define as grace is... A blessing. Yeah, but a blessing is like an attitude of gratitude, isn't it? Yes. Yeah? Yes. That's what a blessing is. Yes. You're aware that something's been given to you, yeah. and your attitude towards that is that, okay, fine, it's been gifted to me. Yeah. Yeah, okay, fine. So what, in the Monday, <coughs> it's called a blessing. Sorry? But it's, it's called a blessing. Yeah. What you see as a blessing. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it's actually an attitude that you've actually come across, that something, someone's provided something for me. Otherwise, why would God grace this so-called God? Why would it grace you specifically and not me? Because it was my time to <laughs> <laughs> Cause and effect, isn't it? You would have worked for it. Cause and effect. Yeah. But, but whilst receiving it, I'm still grateful for it. Yeah, you've answered the own question. <laughs> As in, you, we're, we're talking already about the things that we can't answer. So it might just be those questions that you have. You have no answer to why they happen. So you've just said, is God's grace as to why it's happening? You see, let me ask you a question. First of all, you said, you said you know, devotion. What, 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 grace, what grace granted you that in the first place? My past life brought me to... There you go. So now, you've been devotional for X amount of years, okay, and now it's your next level, is understanding what am I devoted to. Okay, it's that devotion that has led to you to get to the next stage. Yeah, but that's what I mean by God's grace. I don't mean my own grace for me. That that was there, it's stronger, that's all. You know, you've been devotional for 30 years or whatever. That, that in, within you of liberation, you're reading about it now, and you're understanding it more. So naturally, the next, you're going to move up. And for that, you need knowledge. You triggered it triggered yourself. You triggered it yourself. That Mumukshatwa in you is... <laughs> You've, you've, you've been given the opportunity to learn. Yeah, converted me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we all know now. We don't know who our wife is, who our son is, <laughs> where we came from, where we're going. <laughs> we'll move so on then. When you get the post in there, then you just write return to sender. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but you know what? Our scriptures are wonderful things. Mm. 
He's told us everything we don't know, he told us how ignorant we are, he told us that we're going nowhere. But God's grace, he explains how to get out of all this as well in the next verse. How to get out of your attachment, your bondage to the world, and the formula to reach the state we want to get to. Next verse. Satsangat Veni Sangat Vamni Sangat Veni Rmohat Vam Nirmohat Veni Shalatat Vam Nishalatat Vejivan Mukti Satsangat Veni Sangat Vamni Sangat Veni Rmohat Vam Nirmohatve nishchalatatvam nishchalatatve jivanamukti. From the company of the good arises non-attachment. From non-attachment arises freedom from delusion. From non-delusion arises absolute steadfastness. From absolute steadfastness arises jivanamukti, liberation in life. So, what does he mean by this? He's telling us the formula, how to get out of... He's told us everything, what we're attached to, now he's telling us how to get out of <coughs> so He doesn't just condemn you, everything you're doing wrong. Now he gives you the solution. He gives you the solution, and then he leaves it to you. Now you do what you want. He doesn't say you must do it. It's up to you now. You know where you're going wrong. This is the right way. Now it's up to you. So, the first line, from the company of the good arises non-attachment. So we have to become non-attached to the world before we can even go on the spiritual path, yeah? Is everyone clear with that? Yeah, we have to mentally detach from the world before we can think about the spiritual path. So he's showing how to become detached. Seek the company of good, we're going to go into that. Seek the company of good, good satsanga, mixed with good people, with good, good values. Satsanga means good values, meeting with people which everyone has higher values. Yeah? Like here in class, for example, we are having good satsanga. We're all good people here, discussing the higher values of life. We're not gossiping. If any one of you think you're not a good person, keep coming and you'll become a good person. <laughs> yeah? Don't worry about others. Just deal with yourself. Be in touch with people who have good qualities, good emotions, good thoughts. That's good sangha. That's the first line you're saying. See, so mix with wrong people, you go the wrong path. You mix with good people, you go on a good path. Simple, that's what he's saying. Now, Satsanga means something else as well in this context. Be careful of what, what your five senses contacts. So we're expanding the word Satsanga now. It means good company, like we are. Next stage is saying, we contact the world with our five senses, right? We covered that. Rishi, five senses. We see the world with our eyes. 
colour and form. We hear the world with our ears. We, with, our, with our mouth we speak, we're contacting the world. We touch and we smell with the nose. Anything we do in the world, these are the five senses that contacts the world. So he's saying, be careful what you contact. You're saying that what's good? The five senses. Make sure you contact good things. Make sure you hear good things. What you see, see good things. Try and make them good. What you smell, for example, agarbati reminds you of? Spirituality. Spirituality. Perfume reminds you of? Sensuality. Yeah. The music you listen to, movies you watch, food you eat, you can take that to whatever level you want. So whatever you contact with the five senses, ask yourself, is this conducive for my spiritual growth? Is this going to help me on my path to become a better human being? That's good satsanga as well. So with this in mind, you then will have good emotions and thoughts. Your actions will be good. You won't have any negative thoughts, negative emotions. So practice good satsang at the physical level, emotional level and intellectual level, he's telling you. And if you do this, the result will be non-attachment. So your mind and intellect will be clear to think. Right now, we are a slave of our body, mind and intellect. Perceptions, emotions and thoughts. But we don't understand it, we don't realize this. We're not aware of it. We're used to our misery. What is the misery? What is the misery we're going through? Going from desire to desire, some fulfilled, some not. That's our misery. Some desires are fulfilled, some are not. This is the misery we go through. We're mentally used to it, shackled by our desires, so we can't think clearly. So from good company arises non-attachment. From non-attachment comes freedom from delusion, meaning you can think clearly. And then from non-delusion comes steadfastness. You now know your goal. I want to reach, I want to develop spiritually, I want to be, I want this lifetime to reach that goal. I want to reach that, my normal state. I want to reach the self. From this steadfastness comes Jivan Mukti, liberation from life. See, if we're caught up in the world, we can't think of the higher. So this is the way of being detached from the world while acting, because your goal has now changed to this. So how do I get there? Good satsang, be, be careful what I contact. One, set, one, one aspect of my goal it should be that I need to reach that state. And this is how you do it. So this is the formula of how to get out of it. Practice this and you'll be free. This is what he's saying. So it's easy. You have already started. Good satsanga. You're here. Ahead of the rest. Keep it up. That's what he's saying. Yeah, Rishi. But, I mean, when you're talking about how we contact, and it should be, you know, you're saying good satsanga, can you not still contact with knowledge of understanding? For example, like if, I don't know, you want to watch 
you're saying how you know, but you can, it, it, it's based on like the movies we watch or the music we listen to. But can you not contact, I don't know, a, a, a movie with drugs and violence, knowing that that's the experience that you're going to get from it. But you're, but it's almost that understanding that okay, well, I'm going to watch that, but actually, it's not that it's not good for you, but you understand the effects of what experiencing something like that can have. For example, eating, you know, eating a pizza, and you want to, you know, you want to wake up the next morning early and go to the gym. But eating that pizza, knowing that you're going to put in that effort, to do you, do you understand what I'm trying to get at? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what he's saying is that you can have a easy path, or you can have a difficult path to the same goal. If you do it this way, the path is easier. If you do it that way, the path is more difficult. That's all he's saying. You, he doesn't say. These films you can't watch, these foods you can't eat. He's not saying that. It's up to you. But, and he doesn't prescribe specifically do's and don'ts. It's different for different people. Everyone's starting at a different point. Someone whose goal is purely that and nothing else in life may say, I don't want to watch any music, I don't want to listen to any music, I just want to do stuff. I just want to read and get to that goal and that's it, nothing else. But someone who's starting, slowly he will go on that path. You just, let's say you want to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning to study, because this is what they say. Now, if you go to the movies in the night, okay, and you come home at 12 o'clock, how are you going to get up in the morning? So where is your, what is your priority? You see? Now, is my priority to develop spiritually, or is I have, it? I have a desire for both. Okay, so <laughs> whichever one is stronger, you have to fulfill. So this non-attachment, you have to get over before you can get on the path and think clearly and become steadfast on this path. This is what he's saying. This is the formula. And then it goes back to that, well, I have a desire for that, but actually, what, where's your value, isn't it? What do you value more? Absolutely. And that will naturally drop off. Yeah. That's the next uh, verse, by the way, which we're not going to study right now. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it because of the influence that it gives you? Because, for example, if, if you're going to... Um, I don't know, with the five senses, um, see a bad film, gossip all day with your friends, eat rubbish food. So if you're using all of the five senses in those things, the influence is so much more greater than actually being in the world and you're not having the ability or the freedom to think about something higher. Because even if there's a drop of influence, Accumulatively, it's a lot. You lose the clarity, basically. This is what it's saying. Mm. Certain things influence you. You know, you're driving from here, from A to B. If there's fog, you lose your clarity, isn't it? Mm. You can't see clearly where you're going. Similarly, if you indulge in the five senses in a negative way, okay, then it clouds it becomes misty, your path becomes misty, your spiritual development becomes misty. It's not conducive for that, this is what it's saying. That's all. And like I said, it's not specific because everyone is different. Everyone's at different stages. As I said, Jeevan Mukshatra, everyone's level is different. It also means how you receive it. So as you said, if you watch a violent film, but if you're, as you said, aiming towards a higher state, you wouldn't let that affect you as such, would you? See, it depends what level you are. You may be at a level where nothing affects you. You can do whatever you want. Please. 
This is the only one that brings you permanent happiness. This is what it's saying. In our life, what we're doing is fulfilling desires. We're going from one experience to another. One desire goes, another desire comes. This is our life. It's made up of... We're born because of our desires. This is what the scriptures are saying. See, when you become one with... The, you reach your end goal, become one with the self. That is the last desire. When you have no more desires, the last desire is to reach that goal, then you stop the birth and death cycle. This is what they're saying. But right now, the fact you're born, you have desires and that's what needs to be done. You have to fulfill it. Now, where, which way your desires take you, that's up to you. To a certain extent, that's up to you. I mean, there, are, there is, it, it goes into a lot more detail, but I won't cover it right now, even desires. But right now, just understand that I am here because of my desires, and my life will be based on my desires. Um, sorry, Andy, I just want some clarification on that point. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was studying this verse, um, I couldn't understand really what the good meant. Um, Sankracharya has often given us a prescription, but Good seems to be something which you have to determine yourself by your own intellect, is that correct? Absolutely. Because if I'm an alcoholic, good to me is being in the pub with my mates. Whereas obviously to someone who's not, that is not good. So what I was struggling was, is how does an individual, anyone, determine what good is to start with? Well, first of all, satsanga means company of good. Now, if you're an alcoholic, the company of good for you is people who drink. Yeah, yeah? that's what I'm saying. But we're talking from a spiritual perspective. Mm. See, he's not going to be talking about the self in the pub while they're drunk. So that isn't good satsanga from a spiritual perspective. So we're talking about a spiritual path here. So the good satsanga in the spiritual path is with people who you're talking with who are thinking of the same thing, same values, talking about how to get there how to, uh, you know, talking about scriptures, talking about higher values of life. Um, that's good company. That's good satsanga. So, for the, per the person who likes drinking, good satsanga for him is sitting in a pub with his mates drinking. But we're talking purely in the spiritual, spiritual sense. Spiritual path. Good satsanga. Because we want to get out of it. For him, if he wanted to get out of being an alcohol, good satsanga means going to AA meetings. Subjective to who you are and where you are, the meaning of good. Yeah. You know, you're a bank robber. I mean, good means being with other bank robbers, learning how to rob a bank. Mm. So it depends on. Okay, so it's a subjective experience. Yeah, that's exactly. Okay, fine. In, but in this specific 
context we're talking about developing spiritually. What, could, uh, what can, my goal is to become spiritually, gain a higher pedestal on the spiritual path. What do I need to do? Good satsanga, meeting people with good values, high values, and it's talking about your senses contacting the right sense, uh, sense objects uh, that is conducive for you. That's what he's saying. But merely, it's, a, it's an awareness. I mean, again, to the real world, say, for example, Goran's going out with his friends, yeah, Magna's going out with their friends. They know they're going to go out to a party and have a good time and everything like that as well. But even though they may have some spiritual awareness, it's not something they're going to avoid going out to that party because they will understand that, okay, look, that's not good. But they see it. Their intellect decides and say, okay, fine, yes, I will go to that. But nevertheless, I still have at the back of my mind what good actually is. Is it because of their involvement? That's what I'm saying in the world. They don't tell you what you should and what you shouldn't do. Mm. It's up to you. You have desires, your own desires. That's going to propel your life. You know, you may be going to parties Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every week. Now you feel, okay, you know what, I want to develop spiritually. I think I'll cut it down to just Friday and Saturday. Okay? Now you've taken that point into consideration and you're now spending that Sunday morning coming here rather than, you know, partying all night and missing this. So now that's a conscious effort you've made. That's the start. So everyone's starting point is different. This is what we're saying. Where are you? You know, uh, what state of in your life are you? Everyone's starting point is different. Everyone's journey is different. But the goal is the same. So where you start? It's like with the, your, your friends with... Uh, sorry, I forget. Nature. Nature, right. And you had an influence on her to come to this class. So that association is different for you both now. The conversations that you will have together will be so much more different to the conversations you might have with another friend. You may have spoken about this subject with a few friends, but it's actually made a point to one and not all of them. However, when you carry on with conversations, you're far more likely to have a relationship better than you with, with other friends because you're thinking they are at a different level. Certain conversations you're just not going to even have. Or actually you might feel that the relationship has got better and you're speaking to each other more naturally because you're thinking her way of thinking is very much in line with your way of thinking. So that almost naturally occurs in some sense um, and that's what probably it means by the satsang, because if you're going to be speaking with friends who are continuously, let's say, gossiping, yeah, that it will influence your mind, and you will either be agitated because it's not you right now, you've moved to a different level, and you're going to be thinking, do you know what, I don't want to be involved here, but they are involving me, and that agitation comes because you have learnt what good Saxon is for you. Whereas beforehand, you wouldn't have bothered. You'd have gone right into it and gone, yeah, actually, I agree. And do you know what I mean? That understanding changes. And that's where, this is where it drips from. So it's not, that, it's not necessarily that you have to be on the spiritual path 
need to understand good saxon because you can not be on that path but like your friend wasn't initially and it's only from coming to the class that she's actually taken a step towards it and is thinking yeah now i understand and you find i find you naturally withdraw away from that environment naturally, naturally you, you tend to do it yeah because it causes you agitation yeah, when you do we get more out of Danger that you could also it could also increase your ego, because then when you are dealing with people in the world, there there is that sense of an, that superiority and entitlement because you you are. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And that could be isn't that's that quite dangerous as well? That's something you have to work on. If you're aware you have an ego, you have to reduce it. You have to learn that's not conducive for me on my spiritual path. It's not easy. That's why ignorance is bliss. <laughs> Now you're actually learning to develop. Yeah. On that note. <laughs> mm-hmm. 